0: Welcome to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. In this podcast, there'll be insights around three key areas to mastering the game of life. Purpose, prosperity, philanthropy. Your host, Paul Lowe, the Third Sector Mentor, is the founder of Hearts Global CIC which, along with many other of his charitable commitments, has been responsible for positively impacting thousands of people's lives, particularly young people from disadvantaged communities. Author of Mastering the Game of Life, From Pain to Purpose, and Speaking from Our Heart's Books. Introducing your host, Paul Lowe. Welcome listeners to this Mastering Life podcast episode where I want um, to introduce another story from the um speaking from our heart's book a brief story one from John Batterby an immensely powerful story um titled a successful life of service um John has been a as you've probably seen from some of the and uh, the videos out there and the episodes previous episodes in this mastering life podcast John's quite instrumental um one because he's come from a A real challenging place, and and that's been uh, that's putting it mildly. Um, And he offers some great insights, particularly around health, but in life in general. So, without further ado, I uh, am honoured to share with you John's story. It's a brief story, but a powerful one, nonetheless. A successful life of service by John Batterby. In offering an overview of my life so far, giving insights into my journey. I believe the best place to start is to define what prosperity means to me and it is achieving whatever goals I set out to achieve and being the very best I can be. On that basis, I think it's fair to say I live a life of prosperity in Spain and I have done so for the past 12 years, although there's been one or two significant challenges along the way, uh, including going to war at 16 and being involved in two divorces as well as a massive identity crisis at the age of 41. I was born on the 13th of April 1965 in Sheffield, an industrial working class part of England, Northern England. Although my family weren't rich by any stretch of the imagination, my two younger sisters, Claire and Louise, and I were very happy and always felt well provided for, loved and protected. My mother was a strict disciplinarian and worked as a secretary at a local carpet shop. Dad, who we seldom saw as kids, was a hard-working, self-employed painter and decorator and a typical northerner. He would normally pop into the local pub for a pint after work, and the only time we really saw him was when he'd come home to say night-night before bedtime and during two or three family holidays abroad that we were lucky enough for most of us to have for, for most of the years. A strong work ethic and honesty were values that were instilled in us as youngsters, And these are things that still hold close to my heart today. I suppose that's why I never understood people with talent not working on on their work ethic. Talent is nothing without taking the necessary action to make things happen. At school, I was academically lazy. I left with two O-levels in physics and cooking. I was interested in becoming a chef, but wasn't sure how to achieve it. My grandfather in the Coldstream Guards Uh, He was in the Coldstream Guards, but he died when my mother was nine. And I think it was because of him. I'd always had the idea of being in the military to fulfill a, a career that he wasn't fully able to. My mother was worried about what I was going to do. So she made inquiries and took the initiative to organize my first interview with the Royal Navy. That took place in December 1979, with me not even 15 years of age. Upon leaving school on Friday the 29th of May 1981, I travelled from Sheffield Railway Station and a fewer than 48 hours later arrived in Plymouth in the southwest of England to begin what would become a long and distinguished naval career on Monday the 1st of June. My first introduction to Navy life was, was, was the barber politely and upon reflection sarcastically asking me which part of your long curly hair would you like to keep? After I meticulously explained which bits were okay to cut and which bits needed styling, he duly shaved the lot down to the bone. (laughs) I entered the Navy as a trainee chef and did six weeks basic training and a further six to seven months trade training. And then I was posted to HMS Cochrane in Scotland. After five years as a chef, I recategorised to become a Royal Navy clearance diver Part of this trade involved EOD explosive ordnance disposal bomb disposal but this came after the small task of being involved in warfare the Falklands War 2nd of April to the 14th of June 1982 was a military conflict between Great Britain and Argentina on the issue of sovereignty of the Falkland Islands the British eventually surrounded the Argentine troops at the capital Port Stanley and forced them to surrender at the time, the general understanding, for me, certainly anyway, was that we were, were only going there as a warning to the Argentinians. We were in the Navy, and we were led to believe by the time we got there, it would be all blown over. And furthermore, because of my tender years, I shouldn't have even been on the ship going into a potential conflict. However, I sailed on HMS Brilliant from the 2nd of April 1982 and to the 14th, of June 1982, and I hadn't even finished my training before I was involved in the harsh realities of war. I was the youngest member to, to ever serve in the Falklands at 16, just turning 17, and this taught me some monumental life lessons. At the time, in my immaturity and ignorance, I thought it all of us, it was all a game and which I now realise protected me massively from the experiencing the realities and the fear and the trauma that many of my colleagues had suffered. At that age, though, I thought I was invincible, although I now concede my flippant attitude towards the, the possibility of dying was down to a naivety more than any great courageous awareness, the reality being that I was far too young to understand the dangers I comfort grown men in their late 20s and early 30s after constantly observing them break down and cry. But it was difficult for me to understand. I suppose the modern day term would be my ignorance was bliss. With heart-wrenching casualties on both sides, the inevitable consequence of war. And we lost a few guys on our ship as well. And others got injured with, with shrapnel and burns. But... After the trials and tribulations of the conflict, we arrived back in the UK and were given a hero's welcome, which we didn't expect. There were thousands and thousands of people everywhere, fireworks going off and a real party atmosphere. We were all allowed a phone call and I phoned my dad and because it, it was his birthday and announced, Happy birthday, Dad. We've won and I'm on my way home. He simply replied, Good lad. It was on the back of the Falklands War that I decided I want to be more than just a chef. I wanted to achieve more with my life. As someone who believes in the power of having a positive mindset, I would say this experience was a magnificent challenge. In later years, the reflection of the events in the Falklands acted as a strong way of reinforcing my have no regrets and live for today attitude. Despite all the pain and suffering that war inevitably offers, I was grateful to have served. In terms of my awareness towards pain, my life had always been black and white, obviously significantly conditioned by my years of extensive service and training within the Royal Navy, ranging from being a chef to the demands of clearance diving. And because there were still three quarters of a million mines from World War II around the British shores that needed diffusing, And being part of a field gun crew the Royal Navy's field gun competition is a competition between teams, various Royal Navy commands in which sailors compete to transport a field gun and all its equipment over and through a series of obstacles in the shortest possible time. This was the highlight of my Royal Navy career, the ultimate test. Although it involved extremely hard physical training for weeks and weeks on end, it was the epitome of an efficient team working and contributed massively towards my identity of someone that could always be relied upon and would never let anyone down. After 25 years, my time was served. I was pensioned off from the Royal Navy at the ripe old age of 41. Now, I suppose many people uh, may think that to have served your country with distinction and then have a nice payoff at the end would have been a great situation. It wasn't. I became confused about what to do each day, All my certainty had been removed. I'd been part of a regimented institution where I was so well looked after, fed, clothed, and everything was done for me. Repetition and routine and following disciplined orders had been my life for a quarter of a century. Now I was like a rabbit caught in the headlights, not knowing what to do next. Worse still, I felt as if I didn't know who I was anymore or where I was going. Not only had I lost my identity, but my purpose in life too. The whole transformation process was extremely difficult and I instinctively knew that if I was to have any chance of recapturing the previous positive outlook, I needed a clean break and new goals. To compound things, I was going through a messy divorce at the time too. Consequently, I decided to emigrate to Spain to get away from it all and restart my life. Interesting how fate steps in and alternative paths are open up when we need them most. Newly landed in Spain, I faced one of the lowest times I'd ever faced in my life. I was mindful that I needed to get a job and I was thinking, what am I going to do? After doing a few menial things, I bumped into a guy at the local pool who was an ex-Irish ranger. So in a roundabout way, the military helped me out again. He was setting up a security company. We got talking and became business partners. I built upon this a successful business. I've always had a keen interest in health and fitness. So in in 2010, I took a course and became a fully qualified personal trainer. It's amazing how you condense a whole lifetime's diverse experiences into a few simple headings. Having recently become aware of the three pillars of life, uh, Paul's model, learning, loving, legacy approach. I can easily make sense of these key areas with my own brilliant service driven voyage. And in context, learning. We learn something every day, no matter how minimal it is, even if it's on the back of something bad. Life's journey is a learning curve. Having goals and new achievements to work towards and constantly wanting to improve myself has provided me with huge benefits. Loving. My self-love and self-believe are byproducts of my secure family upbringing. Because of my extensive military training, particularly in bomb disposal, I almost became a robot. I've been trained to detach myself from being emotional. I switched myself off. And even now I'm aware that I'm still not back to being who I truly know I am. My legacy. This is all about being remembered for something. For me, it's being positive. My glass is always half full, never, ever half empty. And I have no regrets. I simply want to be remembered for being Smiling John sharing my attitude, my positive attitude with people and generally helping them the best way I can. That legacy means more to me than leaving millions of pounds, buildings or institutions behind. I am now securing my identity of being someone who will always always be of good service to others. I'm certainly not a people pleaser, but I am a bit of a soft touch and I like to help people out and see them happy. My vision is quite simple to live a long, healthy, happy life and achieve many goals. (laughs) I only wish my beloved football team, Sheffield United, could manage to excel in the field of achieving goals. So finally, life could have been so much more difficult. I've witnessed colleagues struggle post-war and post-service career, with many ending up homeless. I know my values of health, happiness, positivity, loyalty and truthfulness have been a constant source of strength, and guidance for me. And then John concludes with a wow. Always strive to be positive. No matter how big the challenge. Because it will serve you multifold along your journey through life. So there we have it listeners. A very powerful, I believe a very powerful story from um, from John. Trainer John as he's, as effectively known because of his PT business. Around his story of a successful life of service. I truly hope you've, um, you've extracted some value from that. It's been worthwhile. And until the next episode, take care. Thanks for listening to the Mastering the Game of Life podcast. Drop a line to paul at paullowhearts.com with any thoughts or questions you may have, and he'll be more than happy to respond. Alternatively, check out Paul's website at paullowhearts.com or any of his social media feeds under the same name. Remember, mastering life starts by embracing our hearts.